to Junior Doctors Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode stack. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Junior Doctor's Corner. Today we have a very special episode. Um, I know it is extra long, but I promise you it is full of really amazing content. I swear I'm saying this every single episode, but no, this is really special. It is about Aboriginal health and, you know, it's a topic that I've been wanting to cover for a very long time and I finally found, um, you know, the right guest speaker to come on board and chat about it. And it was done face-to-face that day. It was my first face-to-face interview in a very, very long time. So you might hear that I was a bit too excited. So I was um, agreeing and saying yup a lot through the interview. So apologies if this was um, not my usual methods, but I was just really excited and passionate about the topic. So I hope you enjoy this podcast episode as much as I enjoyed recording this interview. Oh, and uh, one more quick announcement. Um, This podcast is going to go back to monthly schedule instead of fortnightly because I am currently a final year GP reg um, studying and setting my um, fellowship exams later this year. So um, once I get those things out of the way, I promise the podcast will be back up and running um, at its usual frequency of um, fortnightly episodes. And as usual, thanks so much for listening. Hi, Dennis. Thank you so much for joining me on Junior Doctor's Corner. That's all right. Not a problem. Now, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with you and your work, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. Um, so what I'll do is I'll start with an acknowledgement. So um, we're on Yagura country, which is south south of Brizzy. Um, so we acknowledge the traditional owners on the place we meet at the moment. Where we work um, is a really big footprint. So we acknowledge many Guru nations around all of those nations with their footprint. Um, covers. Um, I myself was born on Turrbal Country, which is North Brizzy, um, north side of Brisbane. I grew up in Townsville, um, Wagarukabar country, and, and and that. So I have spiritual connections with those countries as well. So yes, my name's Dennis or, or, or Moppy. Most people um, call me Moppy as okay. sort of a name I've had since I was born. Um, and I work for the Institute for Urban Indigenous Health, which is a, a really really large Indigenous health based organisation here in Brisbane, and um, that covers a across southeast Queensland. Um, so, yeah, so I have a, a background in health. Um, I did study um, at QUT with sports and exercise science over there before going into uh, medicine. You did do medical school somewhere in Queensland. That's right. And uh, But something happened along the way and you're kind of now, well, in a different role to what you had initially thought you would be years That's ago. That's right, yeah. The process for me was, was going to become a, a doctor and GP in the rural sector, um, but it didn't quite pan out that way. But um, And so at the moment um, at the institute I, I do, or I'll say institute or IUE or, or those sorts of things, that's uh, you know different names that we have for it. Um, we're pretty much looking at health policy and how we change systems and one of the big systems that we're looking at changing is the tertiary care and primary health care and the tertiary care stuff so um yeah so i've been with the institute for about seven years um, and now currently um doing yeah um 
contract work for our allied health staff, uh, visiting specialists. I look after all the visiting specialists oh, yeah. that visit all of our clinics across the region. Yep. Um, and then I work with, um, yeah, tertiary hospitals to and um, bigger hospitals to work on um, treatment care for, for our clients in southeast Queensland in particular. Okay. And to give our listeners a bit more context, I mean, you did medical school but, uh, you know, couldn't complete it. Mm-hmm. Was, was there any particular reason or were there certain challenges that, uh, or obstacles that prevented you from completing medical school? Uh, I went through a, a pretty um, prestigious medical school. It was pretty pretty high medical school. The focus or to, to pass the courses was the cohort-based and um, there were cut-off points with cohorts and things like that. So I actually, in, in um, looking back over the, you know, reflecting on the, the past few years, looking at my scores were pretty good. Um, they just weren't meeting the cohort, so I was probably scoring pretty well. Like I was scoring um, a, lo- a lot of the the subjects that I didn't pass, I was probably hitting sixty percent of it. But the cohort were hitting sixty five percent. You know, it was a really yes. really strong cohort, so yes. I, was, it was, I was fairly up against her. Yeah. My cohort, really. Yep. Plus, you know, at the time I got married in my first year, I had a baby, I had my first child, um, had a few health issues like I had back surgery and a few things like that. Battling through um, um, medical school with some, you know, life stuff, always, it's always challenging. Yep. But, you know, that's, I, I, I know a few of the, the students who were going through with me in my cohorts were, they already had kids and they were a bit older as well. So they were battling the same things. So yeah. for me, it's, it's not quite an excuse, but it's a, you know, those, those things build up and right. yeah, okay. take time away from when you're, you're okay. trying to put work into right. studying and all the information they pile on you yeah. for so, medical school. So would you say that, you know, Western medicine or medical schools in sort of Western type um, society, are they not very family friendly or family unfriendly? Would you say that it is um, not so accommodating towards um, Indigenous and Aboriginal students? Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky question, that one, because um, um, there's a lot in the background of how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people work and, um, Mm. you know, and do things. Yes. You know, so very practical and have very practical knowledges. And, and practicality was one of the big things, was one of my strengths. So it was a, um, something that I did really well. I was good on the wards. I was good in, yeah. you know, um, interface with people and um, clients and stuff like that. It was really a strong point of what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just when I went to um, exams and, and that sort of stuff where you, mm. um, you're rote learning yeah. and you're, you're doing a lot of um, trying to, to, to process so much information and, and, and you know, get um, do exams that I guess uh, that they say yes or no to you actually becoming a doctor or not yeah. becoming a doctor. Yeah. So in one aspect, um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island ways of thinking uh, doesn't align yeah. particularly yeah. with, um, you know, the medical school yeah. ideal or how, how they, they, they see um, uh, students or um, to, to complete Yep. A course, and that's not just medicine. That's with yep. many other 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 aspects in um, education and things like that. And we see it at the school school age with a lot of our kids as well. Mm. So, um, so there is that, and there's been a lot of study around that. Um, I can't quote a whole heap of studies, but yep. I know that um, yeah, our ways of thinking are a little bit different. Yes. So um, you can say there's a little bit of a an uphill battle, but I mean, we work hard and we, we, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to work hard and we've yeah. got to do that anyway. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's also not a, 
something I'm throwing away as an excuse for, yep. for, for, for not being able to complete what I, did, what I did do. But there are aspects in the background that, um, that may not cater for, yep. for our mob as much. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when I went through medical school, um, it, there were some lectures around tackling Aboriginal health. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them were based around cultural competency and, yeah. and cultural safety, things yeah. like that, which is great. Um, However, I have to say, um, and, and I don't mean this as a, a negative or criticism, you know, type comment, sure. but uh, what I noticed was the medical school that I attended, they would invite on doctors or nurses um, to give the talks. Yes, they are experienced in working mm. Aboriginal health, but they don't tend to be of Aboriginal or Indigenous background. And a lot of the things that they say, or at least I remember them telling me, it actually made me more worried than confident when it comes to um, taking care of Aboriginal patients. So I'll give you some examples. Of course. Uh, they said, oh, you know, you must never look into the eye of an Aboriginal person, it is uh, very disrespectful, you can't do that. And that often, you know, left me really confused because I would come across Aboriginal patients who would just look me straight in the eye and I'm trying to look away and yet trying to second guess myself, like maybe I'm being disrespectful if I look away, you know. So there were a lot of, uh, I'm sure it was true or is true for certain communities, Mm -hmm. But I guess uh, the tricky part about Aboriginal health is it can be hard to sort of give a blanket statement and that it's sure. applicable to all Aboriginal patients. So can you talk us through some myths and misconceptions that you've come across that you'd like to set the record straight? Definitely, and that's number one. I mean, um, the, the the eye-looking thing is one that's um, really an old old adage. It's really something that's, um, you know, and, you, and universities are, are, are re- renowned and notorious for just copy and pasting the year before, copy and pasting the year before, and all of a sudden 50 years has gone by and they've copy and pasted 50 years ago and they're yeah. still doing and saying the same things that were 50 years ago. Um, so, yeah, um, and I, I will preface any of my comments by saying that um, my views and viewpoints are around my experiences in my life and um, what my family have taught me and, yeah. you know, where I come from and the the the... the, the um, cultural backgrounds that I've been exposed to and everything else. So I can't actually speak for some of the other communities in, in Australia and some of the yeah. other parts. And yeah. that's a, um, you know, as a as an Aboriginal lens and as Aboriginal perspective, that's number one is a, yeah. you're not a spokesperson for yes. mob over yes. central Queensland, north Queensland, yeah. wherever else, just for your family and, 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 you know, the cultural values that you run, that you, you have. Hence why the hierarchical ideals don't work for us and they're not applicable for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people. So and understand, you know, um, the idea of, of, of having a boss and having this sort of thing. You know, it's a flat mm. model, mm. all right? So flat models really look at um, a, a, a conglomerate of knowledge and a conglomerate of ideas. And we, call, we, we talk about our elders, and our elders are the ones who generally have had the most amount of experience, and there's a group of elders who, who can uh, um, guide you through whatever it is you need to, a... Um, um, you know, uh, an, an ice age, a, a, a massive weather change system, a, 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 you know, different types of um, um, food shortages, mm. um, you know what I mean? So so thinking in uh, terms of Aboriginal Islander, uh, terms of reference and lenses, it's that sort of that old adage, but it's actually been transposed into, well, it should be transposed into what we're doing now. 
mm-hmm. even even now. So some of the um, the content that's been delivered, and I'll pull this back to the question because I do go a bit yeah, west, but I'll okay. come back in. Yeah. So bringing it back to the to the points of of um, what university systems talk to yeah. talk to talk to us about, talk to you guys about, um, and particularly the eye looking and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. are a little bit missed. They're a little bit missed of the point. So, uh, being respectful in that is 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 high on the on our list, and that's a, a major thing. That's respect is one of the one of the you know the huge virtues that we need um, as humans, and it's the human value that that really um, um, makes the connection and the the, the interaction mm-hmm. you know sound. And yep. the client won't um, see through you because you're being fake or you're being um, um, Dis- or you feel like you're being disrespectful or whatever else. So mm. um, that's a big one is the eye looking because you get an awkward situation then where both of you aren't looking and then the yeah. client starts to shut down a little more and that's what, what you want. But that's a big one. That that, that eye looking is a big one. And um, your point about um, uh, being scared to go into Aboriginal health is a big that's a that's a big issue, not just for doctors, but for all healthcare yeah. workers, nurses, allied health. They're a little bit fearful when they leave leave universities and they've been told something. Mm. And really, at the end of the day, it's it's humanity one hundred and one. It's it's mm. it's making connections and it's yarning mm. and it's and it's having a story and and, and being um, having permission to tell stories and yarning with each other. Yeah. And that's a big thing that we focused on at, at IUH is that change around for. Um, healthcare, how healthcare actually operates right. um, with with our mob or with, okay. you know, and, and then the broadest context with any mob really, yeah. um, that it's um, making connections is a, is a huge thing and, and they talk a lot about that at, at medical schools, building a rapport. Yes. And you get, you get taught how to build a rapport, which is really, to me, it's baffling because if it's not there yeah. and, it, it, and especially younger students, it takes time to yes, to know who yes. you are to build a rapport with yeah. somebody else. You yeah. know? So, you know, we can always talk about personal identity and things like that yeah. as being a problem in that space as well. So, you know, being taught how to actually talk to people is 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 an, is, is an issue that I always always I always found baffling. Um, but you know, for for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people. Um, and when I talk to our clinicians who are starting in our organisations or whatever else, I said the client will tell you exactly what they think straight away, right? Pretty quickly right. after the meeting, they'll 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 tell you you're, you're not doing it right, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. Yeah. So, um, um, being um, coming out of university and being fearful is is something that has happened forever. Mm. And being scared of it, mm. scared of something that's um, that really is not that scary. Yeah. What tends to happen is you actually miss out on such great spiritual reward. And this is the other big thing as well. It, when staff shut down yeah. and they feel a bit fearful, yeah. they shut down as well, yeah. and it's reflected on yeah. to the to the client or the patient. They shut down. Yeah. And you actually miss out on a spiritual connection. You actually miss out on the spirituality right. that you can actually build from it. Yeah. So. Um, for with an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lens, building connections, building spirit, building that spirit, building all of that, yep. that partnership together, yep. having a yarn, really starting to build that relationship is, is probably number one on yep. working in Aboriginal health. Yes. And, yeah, we, we had guest lecturers. I knew them. I actually did yep. placement with the, lecturer, uh, with, the, with the doctors who came in and spoke about it and mm-hmm. they were non-Indigenous yeah. and they um, spoke about 
the massacres and they spoke about yes. them growing up on lands that had massacres and all this sort of stuff yes. and telling all the clients about this stuff and really sort of um, pointing out that you're being privileged and you live yeah. on this and that it's like it's not the right way yeah. Of, yeah. of doing it because all of a sudden people go, oh, what's – there becomes a um, – a bit more of a gulf as well from yes from yes. from non-indigenous people Absolutely. to them just say oh what's so special about it? oh what's yep. this sort of thing and we we experienced we actually experienced a little bit of that yeah um in it was I think it was five five Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island students and there was you know you get your big messages and yeah. you get your cohort messages that come through and then s- some of the messages um were a little bit about you know why don't they Aboriginal people just get on with it. They've been given this and that, and why don't they just get on with this sort of stuff? And that's the sort yeah. of com- that's the comments you sort of get. Yes, I um, have heard that generally day to day. You know that sort of that sort of thing, especially with with families who've grown up well and yep. who are their parents are doctors and their parent they you know they've gone to good schools and whatever else, yep. and are just a little bit misinformed. Yeah, and it's just like, well, why don't you just get on with it? And so. Few of the other students were because I I was older yep. and they would come to me and talk to me about it and I was, yes. I'd just put on the messenger I'd just say well whatever you know so and so so and so you know just to open your mind a bit a little bit yeah. you know a bit more thinking yeah. around a bit more empathy around it you know yeah. about what you're trying to say and then um, um, out of all of that there was another student that came in and picked out a spelling mistake and that was you know and then it was you know that sort of stuff which is petty yeah but. Yeah. And we we live with that for most of our life. That sort of yeah. those ideas and yeah. whatever else. So we were used to well, like we're used to that. It's not right. Yeah. But we're used to that sort of thinking. Right. So it's not immune to, you know, um, um, the the thinking from um, being presented a lecture yeah. to then um, a twenty one, twenty two year old saying, well, you know, why. Yeah. Why don't you just move along, you know, yeah. you're getting this, that and the other. So. Plus I have to say I noticed that and I don't know why, maybe I was too busy trying to focus on remembering, you know, pathophysiology, oh. anatomy. There's just so much content that, you know, the only little things that I could pick up that I remember um, my medical school taught me and there mm. were the things that we talked about such as eye contact. Mm. Um, I think it didn't really, uh, wasn't driven home to me how recent the stolen generation thing happened until you know i um went through and did my time in rockhampton and all of that and you know once that sort of clicked in place it made a lot of sense you know that um a lot of um aboriginal people are still grieving you know the families Mm -hmm. that they've lost and things like that so i think uh part of the problem that i could potentially see and I, I mean unfortunately I don't have the stats for this we'd have to do a proper surveys that yeah. um, a lot of the medical workforce are uh, made up of people from overseas so you know Australia is quite reliant on overseas doctors coming oh, yeah. here to fill the gaps so you know these people haven't you know studied Australian history or even Aboriginal or Indigenous history they may not realize how um, important it is to A, be aware of it, and B, how recent it actually Mm. is. Um, And C, it doesn't help that the locals have, you know, certain ideas about how people just need to move on. Like, um, you wouldn't say that to someone who survived the Holocaust. So how how different is this? It's not. No, it's not, definitely. And and you're right. Um, Some of the more international students actually have have more 
under their belt about Aboriginal history than the local mm. um, population, than the, some of the local Australians that have grown up in the in the yeah. country. So, yeah. um, you know, that's um, and it's a good point that um, you you you're actually buried in such study and knowledge and whatever else to to really start to consider the the, the, the empathy around it and um, a lot of students are really at the lower end of 20 as well so they're, it's they're, it's still quite a um, you know um, uh, egocentric self-centered sort of ideal sort yes. of, of of who I am and yep. what I'm you know I'm yep. sort of you know top of the tree sort of ideas and things like that and um, and 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 that's okay and that that for me growing up learning that the problem doesn't lie with me mm-hmm. and the problem doesn't lie with our mob either. Yep. Like it's it's the problems if there are issues or racism or any anything that um, occurs around yep. or um, you know, misinformation yep. generally, um, then it's not a problem that we need to hold on to. Yep. So um, one of the, you know, learning who I am and, and, and my identity, and I'll talk on this a lot because identity is first and foremost the centre of... Mm-hmm everything we need to do yep. and to understand and empathy and yep. storytelling and all that sort of stuff. Identity, um, to understand that um, I don't need to carry around angst, or I don't need to carry around, uh, I don't need to carry around angst, don't need to carry around um, resentment, don't yes. need to carry around yes. um, negative thoughts or, yeah. or whatever else because I'll just go grey early and I'll, yeah. you know, um, stress doesn't doesn't yeah. help anybody, yeah. you know, unless it's good stress. But that's not good stress, it's bad thoughts, negative negativity, you yeah. know, you have to sort of remove that and say, well, you know, if if somebody has a, has an issue with that, it lies with them. It doesn't lie with me, or it doesn't lie with our yeah. our people. Yeah. You know, and it's a it's a it's a, a uh, it's an old thinking. It's a uh, it's a I guess it's a Buddhism style thinking. It's a mindfulness thinking. It's yes. it's it's harmony. Yeah. And as an um, you know uh, a long descent of the longest living culture in mm. the world. Yes. Harmony with the with yeah. the earth is. Is, is first and foremost. Yeah, and something you guys had down pat long before the rest of oh, us yeah. arrived. Yeah. Um, before we move on to, because I would like to touch about the um, terms of the correct ways of addressing whether it's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, Indigenous, mm-hmm. First Nations people, all of that, I just wanted to quickly um, touch on um, this particular real-life experience that I had. So, you know, I'm in a GP setting. I see patients um, day in, day out, and actually a significant number of my patients were of um, Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander descent um, Mm -hmm. in Rockhampton um, when I was there. And um, there were a couple of occasions where I had um, either a parent or the patient themselves uh, when I needed to prescribe them a medication, mm-hmm. uh, quite specifically antibiotics. Sure. Uh, and at the end of it, when I hand over the medication, they say, oh, you know, where's the close the gap mm-hmm. sort of um, thing written there. And I find myself um, really, it, it's really hard for me to say no to them even when um, technically they do not fall under the criteria to meet that particular code for close the gap. Mm. And, What's going through my mind when when those situations come up is that I don't want to make things worse, Mm. you know, because there's already such a big um, distrust, you know, when it comes to Western medicine and the institution and healthcare, everything that we represent as doctors. Mm. I do not want to make it worse than what it is. Mm. Do you have any suggestions on how I can, um, you know, other doctors as well can maybe... Um, explain it in, in, in a somewhat respectful way but without 
the patient feeling like, okay, you're just another doctor who doesn't want to help me because that's yeah. the last thing I want to do. I do want, I do hope that, you know, one day we'd be able to mend, like we're not going to be able to do it overnight, no. but, you know, mend all the things that have sort of made it all wrong. Yeah, that's right. And um, I'll just I'll quickly jump on what you just said right then is that the, um, uh, the, cl- uh, the closing the gap um, concept is a, a, a government terminology it's a paternalistic terminology to yes. say we need to do this to close the gap yes. we need to do this to close the gap yeah. there's only one group of people who will close the gap and that's our people it's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander yeah. people yeah. what we can do is create services what yeah. everybody else can do is create yeah. access to services create yeah. bring down the barriers yeah. to, to, to enable our people to, to close the gap or our mobs to close the gap and, yeah. and do that and a, a big way of doing that is education and health literacy and all that yep. sort of stuff. So our clients know exactly what they need to do yep. when they need to do it because yep. they live with themselves 24-7 yep. um, and they're the ones making the choices. Yes. So they, it's got to be pro-choice for clients and yes. it's got to be, um, you know, based on on a good understanding of health and better better literacy yep. that, um, that, they, that that our mob have now. It's yep. a big focus of what we do down here is to, is to really build on that. Now, the Close the Gap scheme is an interesting one. It's now open to everybody. Mm. So anybody, anybody who's Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander can get it. Yep. So you can just write CTG on mm-hmm. every client. So yep. you don't have to say no to yep. any of the clients. Yep. And if they have, if they don't have a healthcare card, yep. they get it at a subsidised price. Yep. Okay. But if they have a healthcare card, they get it for free if yep. it's on the PBS. Yes. Yeah. So if you have a, that sort of understanding, then every client that goes through our doors, we um, we have partnership with five organisations down here in Brisbane, twenty Aboriginal medical services. Um, 38,000 walked through the doors last year, I think. Wow. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander client. Yeah. Um, really big population. Every one of them was signed up to CTG. Yeah. Regardless of how much money they earn. Yeah. Regardless of, of, yep. of their background or whatever else. If you're Aboriginal and Torres Strait, if you identify with that, yep. then you can you can get CTG. Okay, great. And then it's up to whether they have a healthcare card or not yep. to get either for, for free yep. or whether to get it at a subsidised price. Yeah. Yep. So that'll save you from having to tell them no. You just... Yep. That's it. Just CDG, write, down write it down. That's yeah. It. yeah. Our systems through our um, medical services, um, it's automatically written on the prescription yeah. for the clients. Yeah. And when I'm dealing with the hospitals, I generally have to talk to yeah. doctors and whatever else. I need you to write CTG on it. Yeah. Or I need you to recommend to our GPs I can write one out with CTG yeah. on it so the clients yeah. can get it. Or I just put it back on the hospital and say, hey, but you just pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> you just give the clients the yeah. medication. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, a lot of that medication is really nothing. Yeah. It doesn't cost anything. It yeah. doesn't cost anybody anything. Yeah. So um, if you've got clients, either if you want, if they, they want to be compliant with anything, yeah. Yeah. Just let them have it. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of our take on it. Um, but on the other hand, we don't want the, our clients to be reliant on handouts all the time. We don't want our clients to be to be losing their resources because they're getting everything for, for nothing. Mm. So it's a slippery slope mm. when we first start thinking about that. Mm. And um, we, 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 we would like, you know, a lot of the clients that we focus on all that, you would probably see in Rocky uh, on the low socioeconomic mm. um, scale. Mm. Uh, you probably have some mid mid um, you know, um, um, clients a little bit, yeah. get, you know, two, two working parents, whatever else yes, who still can, yes. who still could pay for things and whatever else. So, um, you know, we, we still encourage our clients to, to, you know, rely on themselves and, and do things and whatever else. You still have chronically sick 
yes. Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people who are um, who, who work. Mm. But you also they're a descendant of a somebody from a stolen generation or somebody who yes. come out of the mission or somebody who's put in, put on through an act through the act back in the back 50 60 years ago so you got trauma uh, generationalized trauma mm. you got all these sorts of things and you know um, CTG is not just about something now for that it's it's a it's a real recognition that there's issues oh stemming before somebody went to somebody was able to work yes you know or a family was able to earn enough money yep. to do whatever yeah so um, chronic disease comes before that, yep. you know, because that what underlies chronic disease most of the time is um, social health and yes, mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Social so, determinants of social health. determinants like of health. Yep. You know, non-indigenous Aboriginal people get everything for free, all that sort of stuff, and whatever. Which else. is not true. No, that's that. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, they get this, they get that. And it's like, well, it's just termed something different, but you know, non-indigenous people get that too if they're in a low yep. socioeconomic bracket. But the CTG, the scheme, and, and schemes like it. Um, aren't for the here and now, they're because of those past things yeah. and because of, you know, there's some, there's lots of studies now about, um, um, yeah, the generational trauma and, and all that sort of thing. So I'd like to, to really sort of hammer that point home mm-hmm. is that um, anything that gets, you know, people think, oh, they get it for this, that, now. It's like, yeah. well, there's, there's been a price to pay. Yeah. Back then, yes, Back in and a, just making catching them up, catching them yeah. up, and it's not it's well and truly not mm. you know not enough, yeah, at this point in time, and it's all um, what say the paternalist governments like to do is to throw money at us, yes, problem to try <laughs> yes. and fix it, keep throwing money at it, yeah, um, and I'll lead into from that point to what we um, like to focus on at the uh, Institute for Urban Indigenous Health and what the what we were actually built for is to um, bring um, and. Most of the, the, the partner organisations in, in um, southeast Queensland actually um, came together and had the idea to, 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 yes. to create this organisation. Yeah. So it was, uh, uh, I think, was it four different community-controlled health centres that That's right. came together and formed yeah. um, Institute of Urban Indigenous Health, which yeah. is where we are at now. That's right, which is where we are now. And it's 10 years old now. It's, old. it's in its 11th year. But um, there were four um, community-controlled health organisations um, operating in southeast Queensland. Um, ATSIX had two clinics. Uh, Yuli Bariba had one on Australia Island. Cambu uh, um, Health Service had one mm-hmm. at Lipswich and um, Kelwan Health Services down the Gold Coast had mm-hmm. the one. Mm-hmm. So we're talking five mm-hmm. Aboriginal medical services mm-hmm. in Brisbane um, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Ten years. There's, there's a population of 50, 50 60,000 clients mm-hmm. in southeast Queensland mm-hmm. um, with access to five Aboriginal yeah, medical that's services. That's right. And so, um, uh, trying to put a bandaid on a burst artery because chronic disease was already well and truly set in. It yeah. was don't, people would heart, heart would die mm. of heart attacks. Heart disease would be the mm. biggest cause of, of death, uh, mm. especially for young men, yeah. Aboriginal men. Mm. Um, I think the the um, the age of um, mortality was 55, I think, mm. back then. Mm. It's sort of gotten a bit better now mm. um, with a bit more education and a few more services in. Mm. Um, and so... Um, trying to yeah, trying to put a put a band aid over a yeah. burst artery is five Aboriginal medical services in the region. Yeah, N- and neither one talk off. Yeah, neither one talking to each other. Yeah, you know, which is a problem in itself. And so, trying to access funding, yeah. trying to do this, that, and the other to um, um, to to continue their services and all that sort of stuff. And um, what we call a, an acute 
type of a health system, which we see in probably not our sector now. Right. Which is we get you get you get seen at a doctor if you're sick. Yes. Or if you're not well. And right. clients just go when they're sick. Yeah. Um, and there's no sort of preventative health models right. created in a GP clinic with yep. clients who are between the ages of twelve and seventy. Yeah. Yep. You know, twelve yeah. and seventy—they're the ones who yeah. you you want to stop chronic disease through yeah. that time, or yeah. Um, yeah, monitor where they're at. You know, so the acute system is clients come ten minutes mm-hmm. around yeah. with a billing model. We get as many clients in, and it's a, a model set up so that GPs can um, be contracted into a, a clinic and bill, and yeah. so that clinic can earn money. Yeah, GPs earn as much money as they can. Yes, through it and. Um, with our mob, mm. once they're at the door, referral mm. written to get pathology, bloods, mm. whatever else, mm. we don't see it again. Mm. We don't see it, especially a male again for another two, three years yeah. when, they get, yeah. you know, when they get sick again and they come yep. back in. So the idea was that there was um, not enough in South East Queensland, not enough um, Aboriginal medical service, not enough access yes. to care. Yes. Um, and the model that was run, running was a was basically GP-centred and nothing mm. else, and that was mm. it. So clients were getting referred to physio and wherever mm. else and, and then, not going because yep. they have to go and pay a, yep. pay a gap or a fee or yes. whatever else. So yes. barriers in, involved were resources, yep. barriers involved, transportation, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing when the institute was thought of, mm-hmm. all the partners came together, the organisations come together and said, we need a, an organisation that can actually make, get a, create a consistent model mm. um, that all the medical services in, in the region can mm-hmm. can run so mm. that all, yeah. and communicate all the with clients can communicate with yeah. each other. Um, any of the, the national funding or the, the funding coming in from the Commonwealth can yep. be brought into one place and, and yep. put in and, and, and um, have a regional approach to how we are, where the need is, is yep. more yep. or where more need is or where we can put things. Mm-hmm. And so that was created pretty within the first 12 months of the Institute, so a consistent health model. That was created, and it was created on the back of Medicare item numbers that were released in the CTG, yep. uh, released from the government. So um, a lot of Aboriginal health focus on uh, health checks and uh, yes. um, chronic disease management plans and, um, yeah, um, getting access to allied health post, health checks post, mm. GP management plans, um, home medication reviews, um, nursing visits, all that sort of stuff. So the, the, the health model was built really just as that as a skeleton mm-hmm. um, so that once a clinic has that, yep. they understand a patient's journey through that. Yeah. But what I don't think they saw was that the patient then understands where they are. The patient then will understand. That, that, that will help them on their journey once they know what the model looks like. Right. And after the first year or so of them yeah. going through it, they start understanding where they what they need. Yes. And I've got five visits. I've yeah. got ten visits. Yeah. I've got to go for a review now for yeah. my GP management plan. Yeah. And so clients starting to understand what, about their journey and yeah. in the primary health service yeah. exponentially raises their health literacy. Yes. Like you wouldn't believe, yep. you know. Um, and, you know, you would know that. You'd probably see <laughs> certain clients in that. But if we have, you know, like we have now 35,000, 40,000 clients coming through our doors getting the same idea, yeah. doing that, then we have this exponential boost in yep. population mm. health literacy, yeah. um, which we're really starting to see. Mm-hmm. And the figures that we've been able to um, 
to extract from um, our Northside clinics, our Mat6 clinics, is that um, we're closing the gap faster than yep. anybody in the, in the, in the um, um, even what the, the government's predictions are, we're going to close it by this, we're doing it 1.5 times better or something like that. I think, I don't know if the number's on me, but it's really yeah. a, a lot faster than the government's okay, system. Okay, great. Because there's access, yeah. uh, there's understanding, there's health literacy, yeah. and the clients get everything they need within yeah. our, our walls. So we yeah. have all the allied health is at the clinics and the clients go back to a culturally competent clinic and they're comfortable in the clinic. Yeah. So just to sort of summarise, I guess, I, I before we move on to the next topic, is that when it comes to working with um, patients of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander sure. background, uh, number one is respect. Um, number two is communicating and working with them, you know. Connections, um, yeah. Connect, building a connection with them definitely. so that you build their a trust with them so mm -hmm. that they trust you um, and really educating them, you know, because they would want to understand and sort of be empowered to make the the, um, the appropriate health decisions mm -hmm. for themselves and, you know, sort of also in the context of their own families and communities. Definitely. Um, as opposed to being fearful and thinking that we have to treat them differently because at the end of the day we're all human beings mm -hmm. and, you know, any other culture, they want all those um, three things as well, I think, um, when it comes to um, a doctor-patient relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's um, it's really hu humanity 101. I try to talk to a lot of our new staff members about it. It's like, it's humanity. It's what would you expect, what would you like when, when you walk into a doctor theatre or a doctor's room or whatever yep. else? Um, be empathetic. Understand that there is a difference in the background yep. and then the, and the, and um, you know, you might see a client who looks in their seventies or eighties who might only still be fifty, yeah. and be empathetic about the, their their plight and yeah. where they come from. Yeah. You know, have a little bit more of a backstory about yeah. you know where you're working and and who you're actually working with, because if you have Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff with yeah. you as well, it's the goes the same. It's the same same concept. Mm. If you're working, you know, an AMS or an yeah. Aboriginal Medical Service purely, then most of your clients are Aboriginal Medical uh, Torres Strait Islander clients. Yeah. Most of your staff are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients. Yeah. And just be be wary. This is um, this is going back to the flat model we talked about before. Yeah. The, the difference um, generally at the end of the day is you know about pathophysiology and the yes. pathophysiology of disease, um, but the Aboriginal health worker knows the client. The CLO knows the client's family. Yes. Yeah. The, the clinic knows the families. Yeah. The clinic knows the client. The clinic's probably related to the client. Mm. They understand them. Mm. So what's what's what um, can be mm. what can trip up um, junior doctors in particular, or doctors yeah. who are quite young, or whatever else, is that um, you come in with knowledge and you think that you have all the knowledge, yeah. um, but you don't. Yes, you have disease pathology. You know that part of things. Yeah. you know how to, you know what sort of medications that you can prescribe to assist with that. Yeah. The client, at the end of the day, has to take those medications. They have to make the next choice. They have to make the next choice to do. Yep. whatever it is they need to do. Yep. They're the captain of their ship. They understand um, what they can and can't do Yes. Um, day to day. Yep. You might have grandma who looks after five grandkids. Grandma can't go for a walk if she wants to. She yep. can't go for a walk every day. Yep. Um, it will, you know, she, she's stressed out. She smokes a lot. Yep. You know, one of my biggest things is am I still smoking? What are you still smoking for? Yeah. You know, but that you know they they come from a long line of smokers. Mm. You know, so it's and it's like you know it's, it's bad as heroin to try and break a you know I'd imagine smoking. Yeah, and 
sugars are even even harder to break. Yes. You know, so we got diabetics who are mm. coming out of our ears. Mm. Really, really hard. Food, food, food addictions really, really hard to break. So our clients, they're 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 the captains of their ship. It's their G, it's their medical plan. It's their GP mm. management plan. Mm. It belongs to them. Not to, doesn't belong to the clinic or the or the GP. It's like yeah. you need to do this. You need to do that. Yeah. What can you do? Mm. Give me your words. What are the things you would like to? What how we can change after everything I spoke to you about? Mm. What are some of the things you could change in your life? Mm. You know, really flip it around. I'll try and get the, them to drive. Yeah. The changes. Yeah. And in their own words, write their words down. Mm. Because the next time they come in for their GP management review, yeah. talk to them. Say, "Oh, last meeting we had, you spoke yeah. about this. This is how's that going?" Mm. You know, it, mm. it. You know, you use the word empowerment. It, it just puts the ball in their court. Yeah. Absolutely. How often? How often do clients come in and go, oh, "You're just going to rouse me again, doc?" Mm. You know, especially our mob because they, mm. they feel guilty about it. Oh, mm. I, didn't, I haven't smoked, stopped yep. smoking yet. I've smoked yeah. more probably. Yeah. You know, oh, doc's just going to rouse me again. Mm. Yeah. You know? And that then definitely makes them a lot. More reluctant to access Definitely. medical services. Definitely, you don't want to be the you do, as a GP. You don't want to be the power difference. Mm. You don't want to. You don't want to be the, be, there. Be the be a power difference in the room. Yeah, yeah. Because you'll lose your clients. Yeah. Not only our clients, but you'll lose other clients. Yeah. And that's I think one of the trickiest things. Mm. Especially our mob. And our mob will see through it, and they'll tell you on the way out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll rouse you back too. They'll, <laughs> they'll 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 have a go too. Mm. You know. And they probably won't see them again. Use mm-hmm. Aboriginal healthcare workers. You mm-hmm. use the people, the nurses who know that the clients actually drop their guard with transport drivers. This is another thing. They mob talks to transport more than they talk to anyone else. Right. Um, this one thing I've sort of been trying to bring in is to get our mob to understand behaviour change um, conversations and how to how. Um, maybe a GP is trying to get a client to stop eating so much takeaway or yeah, smoking or yeah. whatever else, and them yarning to the transport driver on the way home <laughs> because the GP they have the walls up going, no, I don't feel like doing that. And then they're, they're in the car on the way home, and they're, they're talking to the transport driver, and they're saying, you know what, it's probably, you know, I probably could start to change that. And then all of a sudden, there's two different interviews going on. One's yeah. the GP with the walls up because yeah. some power imbalance is going on in the room. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, in the transport where everything's relaxed, they're like, actually, I probably could think about that. Yeah. And then contempl- they're contemplating. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. we're, we're, we're looking at ways of, of being able to get to our clients it, that's not yep. sitting in a GP room. And... I just want to touch on, you did mention earlier um, that you can talk about the, I guess, the terminology, the, the correct way of um, referring to First Nations peoples or, you know, there's so many different words that get thrown around and sometimes it's appropriate, sometimes it's not. Yep. Are there actually rules around that? No, different organisations, I'll, I'll, I'll start that by saying no. no. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly loose no because... You can't say derogatory. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 yeah. But there is a distinction to be made between Torres Strait Islander peoples versus Aboriginal peoples. That's right. Yeah. So a lot of the terminologies we use, we don't shorten it to ATSI. That's that's something that's been taken out a little while ago by, by, you know, some of the um, 
you know, just some of the bigger organisations, whatever else. Um, it's a diff- it's sort of a disrespectful term to shorten that. So yeah. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander is, is one where we can sort of identify and we can we can talk on that. I know it's a mouthful, mm. but it's an, it's an easy one to use. Um, Indigenous gets used a lot more as well. I yeah. mean, our title is Institute yeah. for Urban Indigenous yeah. Health. So Indigenous is one where we, yeah. we use as well. Um, but um, as long as it's genuine, mm-hmm. um, I think... Um, not derogatory yep. is not and respectful. Very respectful. Um, I think those terminologies are some of the the, the high ones that everybody can use. Aboriginal and Indigenous. Yep. Okay. Um, even First Nations is starting to become a little bit of a, a different because I think the, ter- the the thinking behind it by some of our leaders is yep. that it's a it, it 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 infers that there was a state right before and it was a state that was owned by right okay by a you know so the 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 terminology itself is one that's hierarchical in itself right um so a lot of the yeah a lot of our sort of educational leaders sort of say first nations is one where it doesn't quite apply doesn't doesn't quite quite apply because we don't didn't live quite like that and we lived in a you know harmony and harmony with neighbors and our tribal groups and whatever else okay Um, yeah, so another thing that um, I did want to talk about was that um, what we do find as risk factors as well as being Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. And I think um, what's being changed now is that being Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander is not a risk factor. And so what being a risk factor is being a negative, having negative effect yeah. on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, clients. So um, it's not a risk factor, it's actually... Most of our clients are proud of being Aboriginal and Torres Strait. So it's one thing that's actually the, um, being removed from risk factor lists and all that sort of stuff, but put into a different um, way of discussing, yep. I guess. Okay. Um, so just be wary when going through risk factors and things mm. like that, that um, being Aboriginal and Torres Strait is not a risk factor. It's actually that, you know, you're part of demographics. Yes. You know, it's the, the makeup of it. And of course, like being Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander make you more susceptible to something else. But yes. yeah, in itself, um, mm. um, when we're talking about um, the social impacts or the impacts of terminologies and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, being Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander is not a risk factor. It's actually it's actually a, a strength okay. for our clients. Yeah. And it's another thing that's a, a leaning on from there is um Try, just try being wary of um, um, the the deficit model idea. So okay. the deficit model idea is that um, Aboriginal people are doing so poorly in health yep. and, you know, they're dying of yep. early age and, they're, you know, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people are, you know, they're, uh, you know, more susceptible to heart attacks and diabetes, all this yep. sort of stuff. So approaching Aboriginal health with deficit mm-hmm. is pretty much the wrong approach to it right. and i think medical schools do that a little yes. bit they def- they deficit the, the, yep. the they, they call it this problem so yep. um yeah but um what we focus on is the strengths based right. approach to thing so we know there's issues we know there are certain things mm. but we also focus on the strengths of the families and we strengths that we focus on the strengths of the clients right. as well as the strengths of your co-workers the strengths of your staff members that are who are aboriginal and torres strait island also um so yeah i think it's one thing to to, to consider that as well, just to yep. um, um, approach Aboriginal health with a strengths model. Right. So approach. instead of focusing on what they're lacking on the negatives um, on the negative yeah. side, you focus on what can you leverage to help them improve their health, like the good things good about things. being Aboriginal right. and 
Torres Strait Islander. Most definitely. Or what, what, what are the things that they are strong at? Now, before we move on to our final question, yep. would you say that when it comes to the discomfort or comfort with uh, being in Aboriginal, practicing Aboriginal health and looking after Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients, that gets better with experience, with mm-hmm. time, with exposure? Definitely. Uh, like anything in the world, anything in the world, you get better at things. Uh, you get better at it with exposure. You get better at it with experience. Um, and, and don't be afraid of it. Like, don't be afraid to go into it. You're missing. You'll be missing out on a massive opportunity, a massive spiritual opportunity. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. So, final question I ask all of my sure. guest speakers: Can you please share with us, you know, one or two things that's keeping you sane during these crazy times of ours, especially with the pandemic and, you know, with your workload and everything? It's funny you mentioned these crazy times because when has it not been crazy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just another layer of craziness. So, um, I remember probably 2019, yeah, what a crazy year. Mm. Or 2018, there was so much going on. I was like, what a crazy year. It's like, yeah. And then this comes along and they're like, well, that was a crazy year. It's like, well, last year was a crazy year too. <laughs> I, like, I don't understand. It's like every year is crazy and, and every year, every year following has a, a, a twist and a yep. turn to it. So yeah. what sort of keeps you grounded and helps you navigate through these crazy times? Well, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a family, a, a small family. I got, a, I actually come from a big family, so mm. I've got f- brothers and sisters. I've got lots of those mm. um, that um, I've good. I'm on good terms with. So um, I have three young kids. So um, a six year old, three year old, one year old. So I don't have time to mm. really think about anything yeah. else. Yeah. Um, to th- to to be quite not sane, I suppose. Too. Um and I have another one coming in May, so I have a have oh, a twenty week old twenty week pregnant wife who's who's keeping me on my toes. Um, so that's sort of at the uh, the busy scale of things. Yeah. Um, work the my the things I do at work really helps um, helps me in terms of myself and mm-hmm. and and um, yeah, my identity and what I want to do. Um, but I also play music. Um, uh, I come from a musical family, and okay. I play in a small band with my cousins and um, you know some of my uncles. And um, music has always been part of my life, so I play guitar and piano, that oh. sort of thing. So music is, um, nice. yeah, it's a change up to mm. it's the arty side of the yep. the brain that we need to 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 massage every now and then. That actually really helps us retain knowledge and learn and helps us through too so using different parts of your brain so yeah music is another big thing and um i love to cook so um i cook and make things and do a lot of that sort of stuff so yeah those are those are those are the the things that i do i also coach actually i'm a rugby league coach as well so i i do that um during football season and rugby league season so another thing that Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think it would make you insane, but it doesn't. It makes me. Yeah, it actually levels me and cool. does all that sort of stuff. So yeah, those are the things, and yeah, appreciate you listening to me and ramble on and talk. No, no, it's all um, you know nuggets of golden wisdom. So yeah, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show, Dennis. That's all right, not a problem. Thank you. If you really like that episode, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes to help a sister out. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode.